Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing Word from God. God bless you. Well, come with me in your Bible, Zechariah 4.10. The title of my message tonight is The Grinches That Steal Your Christmas. We're going to catch some Grinches tonight. Dr. Seuss, you know, wrote the original, The Grinch That Stole Christmas. And I think it was probably an overflow if he was just realizing not everybody is cheerful. You, you know, the people that drive past a cross and they, they want it torn down because they call it a religious symbol. I'm like, are you serious? A cross is a religious symbol? Do, 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 do you know what a cross is? And they're like, yeah, it's a religious symbol. Well, it, it never really used to be unless you believe that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, was executed on a Roman cross, then I guess, wow, you, you've got great faith for an atheist. You're getting pretty triggered by something you pretend you don't believe in. It, it, it was an instrument of torture. It was an instrument of capital punishment. They crucified. Is that Reed Bogart? How did you make it? This is Reed. Stand up. Stand up, Reed. This is Reed Bogart. He just came back with his family from Dallas, Texas. I was just talking to you on the phone. And you made it here. Welcome back, Reed. You and your beautiful wife and your, your kids. You guys are just amazing people. What an honor. Anyway, so the cross, excuse me, the cross wasn't a, it was never a religious symbol. There were literally hundreds of thousands of humans that they executed on the cross. One of them just happened to be a carpenter's son from Nazareth who on the third day rose from the dead. And so now they can, they, he literally converted the instrument of probably the greatest instrument of human cruelty ever concocted by the minds of men where somebody is stripped naked and beaten and then nailed to a piece of wood hanging there in public to dissuade because they didn't have a police force. The Romans never had a police force. So what the Romans did was they, they created severe capital punishments in order to dissuade people from breaking the law. And so this is how powerful your God is. He comes from heaven into to the depths of our depravity, the depths of human cruelty, and he hangs on the instrument of that cruelty, capital punishment, death, and turns it into what atheists, even the atheists, come on, every knee will bow, every tongue confess. Even atheists call it a religious symbol. It's become so sanitized by the power of Jesus on that cross that people wear it as jewelry. Wow. So I say all of that to say, I think Dr. Seuss wrote it because not everybody shares with in Christmas. There are the bah humbugs. And so don't, don't let the, the Grinches steal your Christmas. So Zechariah 4.10, I feel like I've lost the crowd already. Zechariah 4.10 says, for who has despised the day of small things? Who has despised the day of small things? You know, the Bible says, do not despise the day of small beginnings. Everything begins small. Everything begins small. 
everything begins as an idea. That idea came as a thought. The thought becomes a concept. The concept becomes a written document. The written document becomes a plan. The plan becomes an action. It becomes outworked. And then all of a sudden we have everything begins as a thought. The Bible teaches us that thoughts are seeds. Everything in the kingdom of God begins as a seed and ends in a harvest. Everything in the kingdom moves from the invisible realm to the visible realm. Everything in the kingdom moves from the invisible to the visible. Okay, you give me that look. You were once invisible. When was I invisible? When you were in your mummy's womb. You were conceived in the secret place, in the invisible, in the unseen, in the... You're, you're a little seed from your father, a little egg from your mother. So small, the human eye can't see it. And it conceived and look at you today. You began in the invisible. Now you're visible. You began as a seed. And then when you were born, harvest time. Harvest time. So that's how the kingdom, kingdom works. So I want to give you four areas that I believe that there are Grinches that try to steal what Christ has done for you. The first one, number one, is what I call unresolved issues. The Grinch of unresolved issues. This one's a big one. Uh, Ephesians 4.26 says, Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. The Bible says if you have a gift and you're, and you're coming to present it at the altar and you're all pumped about presenting your gift at the altar, but you've got something against a brother, you've got something against somebody else, Jesus says, leave your gift, leave your gift. Oh, no, you don't understand. I'm, I'm, I'm anointed by God. Hallelujah. I'm the man of God. That's wonderful, says Jesus. Just leave your gift. No, no, I've got a, I've got a gift of healing. That's wonderful. Leave it there. I've got a gift of miracle. That's awesome. I've got a mantle. I'm called to be the evangelist. That's fantastic. Leave it there. First go and reconcile to your brother, then come back. Because you, you can be up there, there, there preaching and operating in your gift and leave a trail of mess and broken relationships. Jesus said, I'd rather you deal with relationships than do your gift. And a lot of people don't, a lot, it's, it, and you know, you guys are cheering on the front row, but most people don't get that. Most people are like, Pastor, I don't got time. Like, I don't got time to fix up broken relationships. I've got to get in my gift. Like, my gift, like, this is impressing God. Your gift doesn't impress God. Why does it not impress God? Because it was His. It was His. Like, that's what's called a gift. Because He gave it to you. And we're like, God, you must be so impressed. Look at me, look at me. God, look at me, man. I'm doing my gift. And He's like, well, that's what you're supposed to do. Yeah, but it's how I'm doing it. And it's like, no, it doesn't impress me. Like, God, you must be so impressed with me. He's like, I'm not impressed with you. I gave it to you. Yeah, but I mean, I'm gifting you. I mean, look at me. And it's like, yeah, leave it and go and reconcile. Relationships are the most important thing. Life, life moves at the speed of relationships. Life moves at the speed of relationships. A lot of people, they leave one church because they got hurt, they got offended, something happened. And listen, hurts are going to happen in church. I tell everybody church is like a full contact sport. Seriously. But I meet all these people, yeah, I don't go to church anymore because I got, I got hurt in church. I don't go to church because I got, I got hurt by the choir director. Well, the choir director, yeah, didn't, didn't let me sing solo. 
One time I asked, I said, can I sing solo? And the choir director said, yeah, Jürgen, we want you to sing solo. No one can hear you. <laughs> so I'm like, ah, oh, I'm not sure if that's good. So I said, all right, what about, what about, you know, I was watching the three tenors. I said, what about tenor? Can I sing tenor? And they said, we'd love you to sing tenor, 10 or 12 miles away. You're going to get hurt in church. Listen, I got hurt snowboarding. Still snowboard. I got food poisoning in a restaurant. I still eat in restaurants. I fell out of a tree. I still like climbing trees. I mean, you meet these people. It's like, yeah, I don't go to church. because I got Like, what? What planet do you live on? But some people, they, 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 well, I'm going to another church. You know, I, I talked to one guy. In fact, I talked to a pastor. He was like, yeah, I didn't think I'd get hurt. I'm like, well, are you around other humans? You're going to get hurt. That's why the Bible says forgive. And remember Simon Peter says, Lord, Lord. All right, hang on, Jesus. Like, how many times do I forgive my brother who sins against me? Like up to seven times and then I can punch him in the face. I mean, up to seven times. And Jesus like, Simon, no, not seven, 70 times seven. You didn't want to hear that. Forgiveness is how Jesus is hanging on a cross. They just nailed him to a cross and now they're gambling for his clothes. And Jesus says, Father, forgive them. Father, I would have been so, I control the lightning, right? I mean, I'd be so, obviously I'm not, I mean, I would have been tempted. Coincidence, <laughs> purely a coincidence. Here's the problem. It's not geography that needs to change. The biggest lie of the devil with unresolved issues of the heart is, oh, we think if I'm married to somebody else, it'll be completely different. If I go to a different church, it'll be completely different. If I go to, if I, if I change careers, if I change jobs, if I change states, if I change zip codes, it'll be completely different only to find OMG. The same junk over there is the same junk here. Because the, the issue, I can save you a whole lot of money. I can save, save you a whole lot of pain. Let God deal with the unresolved issues of your heart. Don't have the Bible says that God has given us the ministry of reconciliation. Now, I've been married for 31 years. 31 years. No, don't clap for me, clap for Leanne. It's been easy for me. I wake up, wow, you're still here. Woohoo! But poor little Leanne, she would have got less for a double homicide. That poor, no, no, she wouldn't. No, she, no, she would have, but she would have made parole. It's, um, Brittany, that hurt when you said that. Um, 31 years, but it's amazing. I, I didn't even realize we're having this big argument. And, and, and she's like, wow, you got a lot of energy on this. I'm like, no, I don't. You've got energy. And she's like, that's energy right there. And I'm like, well, well, it's just that, you know, in the past you've, and she's like, interesting. And so I'm like, 
And now I'm already gone. I'm like, ah! and she's like, interesting. I thought you said you'd forgiven me. I had, I had, I, I did, I did, I did forgive you. I just didn't forget about it. I filed it away in my little vault so that when times like this happens, I know the code. And I can get it out and present it as exhibit A, exhibit B and exhibit C, Your Honour. And then she's like, doesn't God forgive and forget? I hate that you're always right. That's another thing. Why are you always right? Why do you and God always seem to gang up on me? God, why are you always on her side? It's amazing. It wasn't actually about God ganging up on her. It was about God saying, Yerkes, when the heck are you going to let me deal with unresolved issues in your heart? Now, here's the deal. I went into my marriage with issues in the heart that I grew up with, from the dysfunction, from the brokenness, from the trauma, from the... The dysfunctions, I brought all of this stuff into the marriage. I am telling you, don't let the Grinch of unresolved issues rob your life. Jesus died to make you free. Jesus died and rose again to break every curse, to give you healthy relationships so that you would prosper, that you would flourish. You'd have the best friendships. You're meant to have the best life. You, you got to believe that. We get, you know, even now, like there's a little bit, oh, I don't know about that, you know. Let me just say this, John 10, 10, Jesus speaking, says the thief, the devil comes to steal, kill and destroy, but I have come that you may have life and life more abundantly. So please understand, if you're not in life more abundance, possibly there are unresolved issues in your heart. That's why the preaching of the Word is so important. That's why we can't preach Woca-Cola gospel. We've got to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ so that it challenges you, it cuts you, it pierces you, it convicts you, and you realize, my God, i got to get some stuff right. Can somebody say amen? Amen. Number two. Number two, the second Grinch is the Grinch of the untamed tongue. The untamed tongue. The Bible says in James 3, 9, that just like a little rudder can turn the whole ship in the same way the tongue can turn the entire course of your life. And it even goes so far as to say the tongue is, is a world of iniquity set on fire by hell itself. Who can tame the tongue? Any man that can tame the tongue, he is a perfect man. David wrote in the Psalms, he says, put a, put a guard over my lips, put a, set a guard, set a watch over my mouth. He says, I'm only going to speak the things of life. I'm only going to declare the wonderful works of God. I found that I could curse the very things that God wants, wants me to bless. Man, we're never going to own a home here. Oh my gosh, it's so expensive. Man, it's just too difficult. I remember in the, in the early years when we first moved here, we, we, bought, uh, we bought an acre of land because we didn't know we were going to move to San Diego. And I was just, you know, I had three little boys and I'm like, my dream was to have, have, have a yard where they could kick a ball. And where we lived on in the northern beaches, everyone told me you couldn't get an acre, which is actually really good for me when people tell me I can't do something. I'm like, really? I don't take that as a challenge. Is there anybody else here that, um, that you, when you get in your car, your car will tell you, your estimated time of arrival, like when you put in the, on Google Maps or whatever it tells you should be, you always got to beat it. 
How many people when you beat it, you're like, yeah. Sometimes it seems to cheat. Sometimes I'm like, I'm doing 85, I'm doing 65, I'm doing 65. Sometimes I'm going a little over 65, just slightly. No, just, no if, you, if, you, if you look at the speed, of the, the speed of light and my speed, it's a fraction. It's a fraction. All right, it's just a fraction. <clears throat> but I'm like, hang on, how is that still the same time? Anyway, but I love beating it. There's just some, I'm not sure what that is. So somebody told, told me that like, you can't get an acre on the Northern beaches. I'm like, oh, really? And so I just started, and then we end up with an acre. And, uh, and then Pastor Phil calls us in the office and said, yeah, yeah, hey, yeah, yeah. Youth pastor guy. I'm like, oh, it's Pastor Ergen. I've been here seven years. Yeah, whatever, whatever. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> youth pastor guy. Yeah, what do, you, what do you think's next for you? I'm like, oh, whatever you want. He goes, yeah, yeah. But was, I was kind of wanted a church in San Diego. I'm like, oh, that's, wow, that's a long way away. Yeah, yeah, I want you and your wife to pray about going there. I'm like, us? And so anyway, we prayed and God kept saying yes, yes, yes. So we knew we had to come. So I'm like, what do I do with my acre? And God says it was a test. But I needed you to go through that exercise of faith there so you can use it over here. I had no idea we'd come into a climate where people told me what I couldn't get in San Diego. And one of the things they told me that I couldn't get was an acre. One thing they told me was like we couldn't get a night of Christmas down at Rady Shell. But I'm like, just tell me again what I can't get. Just tell me again what can't be done. Just tell me again. <clears throat> but you know what I did, what I didn't realize I was doing is... is uh, you know, we needed to sell it because it was, you can't rent out a, uh, an acre of land. Hey, do you want to rent our acre of land? It's just an acre of land. You could put your tent on it and just give us $4,800 a month with your tent. Living on there, there's no water or gas or anything, but it's land. So it, it was killing us. You know, we put 100 grand on our mortgage and we're just watching every month, you know, 4,800, 4,800, 4,800, 4,800. And so I'm talking to people. I'm like, yeah, you know, we moved here to America. Mate, it's not easy. Hey, yeah, we've got this acre of land back. Oh, man, the markets. And, and, and God's like, what are you doing? I'm like, God, just, will you just hold on? I'm talking to, like, list, they sound compassionate. They may want to help us with... God, and he's like, what are you doing? I said, God, I'm just telling them about how difficult. Nobody knows the trouble I've seen. Nobody knows my sorrow. And he's like, Jurgs, you can either have pity or power. He said, you keep cursing the very thing I'm trying to bless by going to men, looking for sympathy from men. And I, I realized I had to repent. And as soon as I repented and started, when people said, how's it going? Oh my gosh, incredible. It's going to sell at any moment. I know, it's, it's amazing. I changed my language. As soon as I changed my language, for six months I was stupid. And then as soon as I changed my language, it went into escrow, everything began to shift. You got to watch, you know, there's a guy called Zecharias in the Bible and an angel, Gabriel, appears to him. Now, this is not Gabriel's first assignment. His first assignment was about six months earlier to tell a young teenage girl, Mary, you're going to get pregnant and you're going to bring forth the Messiah, the Savior of the world, and his name's going to be Jesus. And he's going to be great. It's amazing. And she's like, uh, I think he came to the wrong address. <laughs> I don't know a man. I'm, I'm uh, not married. 
And he's like, oh, oh, I forgot to tell you. Yeah, we needed a virgin because it's in, in the prophecy is in the Bible. And so the Holy Spirit himself, this is how it's going to happen. But when he comes to Zechariah six months later, he says, Zechariah, the Lord has heard your prayer. And Zechariah says, which prayer? He says, well, your wife Elizabeth, she's going to have a baby. He's like, really? Where were you 20 years ago? <laughs> You're a little late. I'm already tall. He didn't sing that. I'm not sure what song he sang. But Zechariah said, how can this be, seeing I'm old and my wife is past the age of childbearing? And Gabriel just looks at him and says, I stand in the presence of Almighty God. Like, is this normal for you, Zechariah? Like, I'm trying to figure this out. Like, do you always have angels telling you things? You think this is like a Ashton Kutcher moment right now, punked? This is, you know what? Mute. You ain't speaking. You're, you're meant to be a priest. You're meant to be the teacher of Israel. And you, you have unbelief when an, an angel tells you some, your prayer's been heard and I've been sent. Like, mute. Mute. Why did he mute him? So he wouldn't ruin it with his unbelief. Death and life is in the power of the tongue, Proverbs 18.21. Death and life is in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. All the way through the Bible, you'll find that the Bible says that the tongue is a fruit producer. Your life, I don't like my life, will change what you speak. I don't like the taste of my life. Well, it's because the fruit is what you're producing from negativity and criticism and helplessness and hopelessness and doubt and fear. Change your language. Bring your language into alignment with the Word of God. Begin to speak the Word of God. Begin to declare the Word of God. As you begin to declare what God has says over you, everything will begin to shift in your life. I was telling the, the, the staff this morning, I remember many years ago, no matter where I went, no matter what conference I went, I'd get these prophecies. You know, that guy up the back there, and it'd be like, yeah, the guy looking around. Oh, me? Yeah, that guy. I'd stand up. The Lord's called you to have a prophetic ministry. You're going to be a prophet to the nations. I'm like, oh, wow, okay, that's weird. Sit down. And then the next conference I go to, that guy over there. I'm like, me? Yeah, the guy looking around, pointing at every. Yeah, oh, okay, stand up. Yeah, the Lord's called you. You're going to have a... You're going to be a prophet to the nations. I'm like, man, I keep getting this word. But I'm, I'm not getting any prophecies. I'm like, this is weird. I'm like, God, I'm watching other people prophesy. I'm going, thus saith the Lord. <laughs> now would be a good time. <laughs> and nothing was coming out. I'm like, God, what's going on? And God says, I can't use you. I said, why can't you use me? He says, because you lie. I said, is that bad? He's like, Yes. <laughs> I'm the spirit. I said, oh, come on, God. Like when I got saved, I had to give up sex. I had to give up drugs. I had to give up alcohol. That was easy. Lying. I'm good at lying. I went to the mall and pretended I was blind and ended up with a pair of board shorts. It was awesome. It's so easy, actually. Honestly, you just don't make eye contact. When you do... Because you just, so when the person comes, you just don't make eye contact. And then, and it's awesome because you get to touch their face. <laughs> and anyway, that's another story. So, so I'm like, God, you come on, man, you're kidding. And he's like, no. He goes, I can't use you. 
He says, you got to repent of lying. And I got it, it was from my mother's side, you know, because she got pregnant out of wedlock and tried to hide it. And then when she was pregnant with my little brother, they were moving to Australia and she knew if she told, you know, my oma and opa, her mum and dad, you know, so she, she kind of had this, this habitual lying thing as it was kind of passed down. So I realized, oh my gosh, I don't want to be stuck. I want God to use me. So I did a fast. I did this 21-day fast. And I don't know whereabouts, but somewhere during the fast, I have what I think was a dream. But in the dream, I feel fear in my body and I wake in the dream. Now, I might have still been dreaming, but I, I, I woke in the dream and I'm laying on my bed and there is a man horizontal hovering over me with the most piercing blue eyes. And he's just hovering, just looking at me. And his, his face was just peace. And then I went to ask. I went to say, who are you? Like, because fear is going up and down through my body. And as I opened my mouth to speak, he got his fist and went like this, right into my, my mouth, right down into my esophagus, and then started doing this. <laughs> and this ribbon. Hey, it's lying and I have. I can't say I have because it's lying and I That's why I got great respect for dentists. Because you know when you go to the dentist and the dentist's like, so what do you do? You're a mechanical engineer? That must be so fascinating. Which school did you go to? You went to Sydney University. That's amazing. How many children do you have? <laughs> wow, you got three sons and a daughter? That's incredible. I mean, dentists, I don't know how they do this. Amazing. And so, and then finally the last, the last little bit comes out. And I'm like, oh my God, oh my God, what was that? What was that? And the angel said, deceit. And then he vanished. And after that, I had like this Jim Carrey liar, liar experience. Where, where before that lying was easy. Now I'm like, the pen is, the pen is, the pen is, oh, I can't lie. It's like something just shifted. And then all of a sudden the prophetic began to flow. I realized that God's power lands on holiness. God's power lands on consecration. I realized I needed to get my tongue into alignment with the kingdom of God. I hear the keys, oh dear Jesus. Number three. Number three out of four. I've got four. Oh, no. I probably should have told you that. All right. Number three is the Grinch of unsubmitted thoughts. The Grinch of unsubmitted thoughts. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 10, 3 to 5, it says that the weapons of our warfare aren't carnal, but they're mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, demolishing arguments, casting down vain things, bringing every thought into captivity, making it obedient to Jesus Christ. Your thoughts are seeds and every seed has a harvest. Your thoughts, the greatest, the greatest way to, 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 to uh, describe a thought, a thought is what I call a future train. It's a future train. Your thought is a future train. Wherever that thought, whatever that thought is, it's, that's what your future is going to be. So if, if you are not meant to go 
in a certain direction on the train. You know, when you get to the, to, to the airport and it says, you know, if you're going to terminal A and B, jump on this train. If you're going to C and D, if you're meant to go to C and D, you don't get on the A and B because it's going to take you in the other direction. The devil puts thoughts all the time into your head because he knows that a thought is a future train to take you in a direction, to take your life down, a path, to take your life to a destination that God never intended. That's why the Bible says, Jeremiah 29, 11, which most people like to, to quote, but this is what it says. It says, I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord. Good thoughts, not evil, to give you a future future train and a hope. God doesn't think thoughts about you. He thinks thoughts toward you. He thinks thoughts toward you. Just like a radio station is constantly broadcasting toward you so that you can tune in and listen to music. Just like TV satellites and send signals toward you and you receive those signals through a dish you receive those signals and it translates into movies and images in your living room. In the same way God is 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year, thinking thoughts towards you. Why? Because He's hoping just one of them will catch. Just one. He's, just, he's hoping that you'll come to a house that'll preach His Word, come into alignment, prepare your heart so you believe His Word. Just every time you come into alignment with His Word, God says in Isaiah 55, my thoughts aren't your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. If you want to walk in God's ways, you've got to think His thoughts. The devil knows this, so he tries to fill your head with all kinds of negative thoughts because he doesn't want you to experience God's ways. But when we say, you know what, devil, this brain, this head right now, I ain't going to think devil thoughts. I'm not going to think defeat thoughts. I'm going to think the thoughts of God. The Bible says that Goliath came out morning and evening, morning and evening for 40 days. He presented himself morning and evening. And every morning and and every evening he had exactly the same script. He said, give me a man that we may fight. If that man is able to defeat me, remember I'm undefeated. If he is able to defeat me, we'll be your servants. But if I crush him, if I defeat him, you'll be our servants. And for 40 days, the children of Israel says, man, who can go against this man? Surely nobody can take him down. This guy's undefeated. He's come out to defy the living God. David kind of skips down to the battle with bread and cheese and goes, oh my God, because he's a teenager. How come no one's taking care of this guy? And they're like, have you seen him? Yeah, he's a Philistine. Hello. God said to Joshua, I'm going to drive out all the men. No man will be able to stand before you. He's a man. How come no one's taking care of business? And so they take, they quickly rush him to Saul. David takes him out because David knew the promises of God. When David lined up with what God had said, he had victory. It's interesting, morning and evening, morning and evening. The Bible says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of godly, ungodly, stands in the path of sinners, sits in the seat of the scorner, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night, day and night. God said to Joshua, Joshua, be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous and meditate in my word. Do not let it depart from your mouth. Keep it in your mouth. Always be speaking my word. Meditate in it day and night, day and night, day Goliath comes morning and evening, morning and evening. 
Joshua, day and night. Psalm 1, day and night. You know what it is? The devil knows if he can get your alpha and your omega, if he can get your first and your last, if he can get your beginning and your end. I made a decision. First thought in the morning, devil, you can blow it out your shorts. You're not getting my first thought. And you know what? The last thought at night, devil doesn't get my last thought. God gets the first and God gets the last. Jesus says, I am the first and I am the last. So I'm coming to alignment with Him. If you will make His Word your last thought, you'll sleep beautifully. If you'll make His Word your first thought, you'll have a powerful, prosperous day. Don't let the devil ruin it. The last one, number four, is what I call guilt and shame. The, the Grinch of guilt and shame. Guilt and shame. Guilt never arrives by itself. It has a twin called shame. Jesus died on the cross. Colossians 2.14 says that the handwriting that was against us, there was handwriting that was against me. And honestly, everything was true. What the devil wrote, Jesus, you can't let Jürgen into heaven because he did A, B, C, D, you know, when he ran out of letters, it was numbers. And then it was like, then it got really awkward because it's like symbols. Yeah, but it's right. I did that. And so he submitted it to God. And I'm like, well, there goes that. I thought I could go to heaven, but he's got it. And the Bible says, oh, Jesus, hang on, hang on. Do you know what, I, what I'm going to do with that? No. He says, I'm going to nail it to the cross. I'm like, but hang on. On the cross, you're all bloodied and bleeding. It's like, yeah, so it'll probably get a little bit messed up. It's probably going to not really be that legible anymore because you can't really make out. And then Jürgen, he did what? I can't make out. It's covered in blood. Exactly. The Bible says he took the handwriting that was against us, having nailed it to the cross. Nailed it to the cross. Jesus is saying, oh, oh, you want to judge them, devil, for their sin? I was judged for their sin. On the cross, when God saw Jesus on the cross, all the sins were laid upon Him. All the sins were laid upon Him so that guilt and shame. Don't walk with guilt. Don't walk with shame. Jesus didn't die to make you guilty. He didn't die to make you feel ashamed. He died to set you free from guilt and shame. In 1994, there was a severe famine, severe, severe famine through, right throughout Africa and specifically in the nation of Sudan. And there was, a, there was a, a wonderful young man by the name of Kevin Carter. And he was, he was sent over there, I think by National Geographic, and to, to take photographs. And he got this one photograph that we're going to put up on the screen. Maybe we'll, we'll take this down if that's okay. And uh, he put this, this he, he got this photograph, and it's a little girl, and the vulture is waiting for the little girl because of the famine she hasn't eaten in weeks. And she's got barely enough strength to make it back to her heart. And the vulture is literally waiting for her to die because it's fresh, fresh meat. The young man comes back to the United States of America and this photo captures the severity of the famine in Sudan. And he immediately wins the Pulitzer Prize for photography. He wins the Pulitzer Prize for journalism. He gets literally platforms and millions of dollars, fame and success. But a little over three months later, they find him dead by suicide. He committed suicide. And they found a, a, a letter, a handwritten letter, a suicide note saying, I couldn't take it. I couldn't handle the guilt and I couldn't handle the shame. Because the one question that everybody would ask is, 
What happened to the little girl? What happened to the little girl? Did you save the little girl? What happened to the little girl? He said, I realized I wasn't there to help the little girl. I was just there to be famous. When I took the photo, I thought, oh, this is going to make me rich. No thought of the little girl. So the guilt and the shame took him out. Now, I believe that Jesus would have absolutely forgiven him. I believe it would have been a learning moment and a turning moment. But the devil got into his head. The devil got into his head. The devil partners with guilt and shame. Jesus doesn't need guilt and shame. He uses the Holy Spirit who brings conviction. With conviction, He immediately offers repentance. With repentance, the Bible says that if we confess our trespasses, He is faithful and just to forgive and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Come on, I want you to stand to your feet. We're out of time. If you're here tonight and you need some forgiveness, friend, you're in the right house. The reason Jesus hung on that cross was so that you could experience forgiveness. Maybe you need a brand new start. Maybe you need a brand new chapter. The Bible calls that being born again. It happened to me in January 1986. I gave my life to Christ and I was born again. Or maybe you're here tonight and you just need a fresh encounter with God, a fresh touch of God. Would you just close your eyes where you are? And if that's you tonight, if you're saying, Pastor, that's me, I, I need some forgiveness or I, I need to be born again. I need a new start. I'm away from God and I need to come back from, to God. If that's you, would you quickly just lift your hand and I'll see it and I'm going to pray for you. Who are those ones? Quickly just shoot your hand up. Thank you, darling, in there. Thank you, thank you, thank you through there. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Who else? Thank you up there. I see that hand. Who else there? Thank you, sweetheart. Thank you. Thank you on the side. Thank you. Thank you, young man. I see your hand. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Thank you through there. God bless you, sweetheart. I do see your hand. Thank you. There's someone over here. Thank you in the second row. Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you up the back. Thank you up the back. Thank you up the back. Anybody else? Somebody in here. Thank you, darling. I see your hand. Beautiful. Is there one more? I am out of time. Thank you up there. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, sir. I see that hand. Man, so many of you raise your hands. Can we do this? I'd love to pray for you. I'd, I'd love it to church tonight, not just to be a, a powerful experience, but a personal experience. So I'm actually going to get down off this, this stage. I'm going to stand down here. Those of you that raise your hands, would you do just one little thing, just a little bit courageous, grab a friend, somebody that you're with, and ask would they walk with you and come and meet the pastor. I'm going to shake your hand, and I want to pray with you tonight. I want to say a powerful prayer and a personal prayer. If you brought someone that raised their hand, would you offer to walk with them? If you're standing next to someone that raised their hand, maybe they're a stranger, would you offer to be their friend tonight and walk with them? But church, can we put our hands together and up the back on the sides? Would you begin to come? Young lady, would you come? Come on, let's put our hands together as they come. Come on, sweetheart, come. Thank you, thank you, thank you.
you. God bless you. Oh, my God. Can we put our hands together for these beautiful people? Come on, how magnificent is this? I'm so proud of you guys. So proud of you guys. Just hold that there. For, hold it up for a second. Could We're going to do this. I'm going to pray a prayer, and I'm going to get everybody in the room to repeat this prayer. It's a really powerful prayer. If you've never prayed before, don't even worry about it. It's really simple. I'm going to do it line by line. This is a prayer that I prayed January 1986 and everything changed. It's a prayer where we invite, literally, we invite Jesus Christ, the Son of God, into our heart. And instantly like that, power is going to come into your life. The chains of sin, addiction are going to be broken off your life. Freedom is going to flow. And you're going to feel His beautiful forgiveness. Some of you might feel a warmth in your heart. Some of you may just feel love. Just go with it. So church, can we all pray this prayer with these beautiful people? Let's say these words out loud. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I want to thank you tonight that you sent Jesus Christ, your only Son, on a rescue mission to save my soul. Lord Jesus, thank you that when you died on the cross, you died in my place so that today I can be forgiven. I can be clean. I can be a child of God. I declare today the devil no longer has any power over my life. I am free. I am forgiven. Heaven is my home. In Jesus' name, amen. Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.